You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. We're taking a little bit of a break from Oscar season here on the Mad About Movies podcast for a special retrospective throwback episode. Yeah, we usually uh, save these for the VIP, but uh, it's time for the main feed to get a taste of VIP life. Um, It's not going to be nearly as much R. Kelly due to uh, the law now. Right. (laughs) But um, but the show must go on in, in the VIP, and that, that's what this is. It's a little VIP preview for you guys on the main feed. Um, we got a friend in the sh- friend of the show in the house tonight to join the party, the Tolkien party, because it's you know ah. Tolkien parties don't stop. There's one thing: <laughs> if you ever been to a Tolkien party, I mean they are pretty lit, as the kids would say. <laughs> uh, so so that that's gonna be a good time. We have probably put off talking about Lord of the Rings in any extensive, um, I don't know, in any extensive way for quite a long time. We kind of touched on it when we did The Hobbit, of course, in that trilogy. But uh, there's still a lot to talk about. I know Brian is a big fan, and I know our guest Ariel from Geek One Hundred and One is also a big fan. What's up, man? What's up, guys? You can call me the Tolkien Asian of the Mountain uh, Podcast. I see what he did there. Ariel Rada, or Rada, like- I like to call him Rada because he's rad, <laughs> um, is, uh, is joining us again. You've uh, been on a lot of times, most recently Pacific Rim 2, I believe, something like that. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 You revisited crazy that one? Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, you're right. Oh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. I like Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Yeah, it's a good movie. Might be in my top 10 at the end of the year. We'll see. We will see. Still only going to see like 30 more movies this year. I know. I've got so many to get to, dude. I'm not, I'm not gonna make it. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. I did see Kent. Little little side recommend, less for you than for the listener. Uh, I've been waiting. I've been wanting to see the writer since you recommended yeah. it. Like I don't know, six months ago, and uh, it is on. It's now on Stars. So if you are capable of oh. of figuring out how to get to Stars, which I was able to do that. I did not know previously because I've, you know, I've not had stars uh, ever. But but now, now I do for $5 a month for three months, you can get stars, which is a pretty sweet deal. So I'm going to I'm going to be able to take in the writer here in the next uh, next few days. I'm going to knock that one off the list. At least I'm excited. Awesome. I am, too. Uh, you need to definitely knock that one off the list. It's one it's one that might might end up sneaking onto that list. If you uh, give, give it yeah. give it the right uh, experience, so we got a little bit of news, and we're gonna play a little bit of, of a game here, where Ariel's got a little bit of news roulette, and he's gonna spin the wheel of news, and he's gonna throw the subjects at me and Brian, and we're gonna react as if we were on Wheel of Fortune. So prepare <laughs> to go bankrupt, Brian. Here we go. All right, uh, here's here's the come on car, come on car. Um, so this is a a uh, this is I believe movie rumors, news and rumblings, or something of the sort. Mm, we like the, the rumblings. Um, yes, the the rumor of the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer is that he is teaming up with Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, and the 
villain perhaps is Hydro Man, and nobody knows whether or not <laughs> Mysterio is also a villain, but we do know that the trailer might be telling us he's teaming up with Mysterio. Wow. Okay. That I have a lot of thoughts there. Number one, gosh, sorry, I sound terrible. I apologize. Um, goodness. Uh, like, I'm hearing my voice come back in my headphones when I sound like a dead body. Uh, a, has Mysterio ever not been a bad guy? Because all of my previous experience with Mysterio is as him as a bad guy. And B, who is Hydro Man? I've never heard of Hydro Man before. Okay, so this may be a really interesting way to kind of um, re- review and kind of retro change the the two characters. So Mysterio is this guy who was like a VFX uh, special effects guy for movies, and he like uses his considerable skills at it to um, like commit crimes. Uh, he's like at one point he gets like so super ridiculously good at it, uh, but there's nothing more really to the character. And Hydro Man. Is this like is like basically the water version of Sandman, where he's just a two bit thug, but if you really just kind of look at him, he's like, yeah, this guy could probably kill anyone he really wanted to just by turning into water and drowning them. Okay, all right. So it's a very literal bad guy then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. That sounds interesting. Jill and Hall making a uh, comic book debut, I guess. Besides Prince of Persia, is <laughs> interesting. I mean, I know that'll be that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's I feel like he's been holding out for a titular role for a long time, uh, like more mm-hmm. of a uh, tentpole character, and hasn't really come his way. I think he's been up for a few. I think he's been up for Spider Man a few times, and uh, I know he was up for Avatar. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, just missed it. Just missed just it. Missed it. <laughs> they got Sam Worthington though, so they're good. <laughs> right. squared away peaking. for yeah. literally decades to come <laughs> um yeah dc fans always want him as batman whenever an affleck is inevitably about to bail on the franchise again which is it still not are we still not sure okay um gyllenhaal seems to be the guy that people really want for that so maybe maybe this is like the lead-in maybe this this is how he yeah. shows dc that he can do it i don't know I mean, I'm excited. I think he'll be very good at this. Mysterio's a fun bad guy slash teammate. I don't know, but I think that could be like I think that could be fun on screen. And I really dug Homecoming quite a bit. So, wow, should we um, should we delve into Batman Shane's early review of Aquaman? Or <laughs> we should have probably invited him on this week for that. But we should, uh, we'll, have, we we'll have him on for Aquaman. We'll yeah, do that. It's coming. It's coming. He saw. Batman Shane saw a uh, a special sneak preview of Aquaman, and uh, he said it was it was fine. Was his review? So hmm. I translated that to a D minus in Batman Shane <laughs> reviews. Yeah, that that he's he's a usually a very overwhelmingly positive um, reviewer. <laughs> I think we've broken DC him. Movies. I think we've broken him because what did he give Justice League? He was really down on. So I think Batman v Superman. Can't do you remember? I think he gave he gave it a B or like a B plus a B yeah like a B plus, <laughs> and I turned the show off, so <laughs> took a break. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I'm surprised we invited him on. No, uh, I think he gave. Yeah, I think it's up there. I think Batman v Superman's his favorite or Wonder Woman. But yeah, the, the reviews I've heard coming out of Aquaman, it's like it's my third or fourth favorite DCEU movie. I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment. Oh, oh yikes! Uh, but I mean, 
hey, we're going to give it an honest review regardless. I promise I promise I'll give it an honest review. If it's an A, I will gladly come on here and say it's an A, and I would love to do that. Same here. Richard won't. He'll be angry. (laughs) That's true. That is true. Richard's not here, by the way. He's not on silence. He's just not here. Um, He'll be back. (laughs) Classic Richard. That wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) He's just, yeah, he's just like, hey, guys. Um, He was, uh, he didn't want to do this, this movie because of the woods. So he was sitting out (laughs) on the grounds of too much woods, which I respect. I understand. Totally. All right. Um, What else you got for us, Ariel? We have a G.I. Joe spinoff movie featuring Snake Eyes. Mm. The oh, character. Okay, was that the Rock's character <laughs> or Tim and Tim's? Snake Eyes is traditionally the ninja garbed in all black, and so, he so never speaks. Was he the one that was um, Darth Maul? Yes, Ray Park. Park. Yeah, yeah. Ray Park. Okay, I got that right. But the character doesn't speak. Like he doesn't mm. speak in the comics, doesn't speak Yet. in the show, doesn't speak. In... Oh gosh! Yeah, he will be. Bumblebee so. didn't speak either. It's <laughs> <laughs> just Haley. What's Haley Steinfeld? Yeah, I could be your best friend, Snake Eyes. Yep, uh, we're just a few weeks I'm, away from that too. So yeah, that's getting really good reviews. By the way, like it was surprised. I, I think that trailer's good. People, so. people saying it's the best Transformers movie. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like not really if it's better than dog crap, then it's automatically <laughs> better than the Transformers movie. You know, like that's yeah. the scale. The scale is not it's not very high. So to yeah. be better than that is not that yeah. difficult. It, but also I'm very surprised, not surprised, but I'm very happy to hear that because um, I have faith in anything that's not Michael Bay with Transformers because Transformers yeah. are awesome. Yeah, I like yeah. I, I'm, I'm in on the idea. I'm not in on the execution. Same, same. That's how I feel about G.I. Joe movies, by the way. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not opposed to the G.I. Joe cinematic franchise. I just uh, still am confounded by those two movies. It just seems like such a weird – wait, what? What are we doing here? I feel this like is we terrible. Did, I feel like, like we did the uh, G.I. Joe retaliation on the podcast. I think we did. Podcast. Yeah. Way back when, when there were seven people listening. Yeah, go back and listen to that one. <laughs> yeah, it was our parents and Ariel and Adrian. That's it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, yeah. no, I was not yeah. listening then. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm kind of, Snake Eyes is by far the coolest G.I. Joe. No question. 100%. Mm-hmm. Like 90% of people who answer that question, yes, it's G.I. Joe. Or it's uh, Snake Eyes, excuse me. So that, I mean, if you're going to do it. G.I. Joe spinoff. Okay. That's, that doesn't sound like a terrible idea. No. We'll wait and see how the actual movie is. But it doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Absolutely. All right. Uh, another piece of news. I'm going to try to move away from um, superhero comic bookie because even though that's my thing. Uh, we have a 21 Jump Street reboot slash spinoff featuring potentially... <laughs> Tiffany Haddish and Aquafina. Hmm, I've heard about this. Definitely time to reboot that. By the way, it's been <laughs> almost ninety days since the last movie. So <laughs> it's like twenty. It's like twenty thirteen or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. My, here's my thing. As long as you're phrasing it as spinoff, I'm fun, I'm totally good with this. If you're going remake or reboot, I'm I'm gonna get a little angry because number one, those are 
maybe my favorite comedies of this entire decade. 21 and 22 Jump Street are hilarious. Those are great comedies. We do not need to... We need to be making sequels of those, not remaking, rebooting them. If it's a spinoff, okay, I get it. And I've seen conflicting reports on that, so I don't know whether to be angry or not. You know, I like to know whether to be angry, but... Uh, reboot, reboot, no. Spinoff, okay, that sounds fine. At least bring back Ice Cube, like, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. The man the man just wants some, uh, what, what was it? He just wants some broccoli <laughs> or something like that? I, Ice Cube in those movies is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like, I, and I can't, I don't think I can repeat one single thing that he says in the course of those two movies, but leave Korean Jesus alone is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And he's just screaming it, like, leave Korean Jesus alone. He busy. He ain't got pro- time for your problems is one of the funniest. Like, I was crying in the theater. It's just, it's such a, and he's so angry. It's just such a funny, oh, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. That and the the Channing Tatum scene when like the the ding goes off and he realizes Dude, I, what happens. Yeah. Oh I've, gosh! I've said before that's the funniest thing I've seen in the last twenty years. I, I like I could watch it right now and I would die laughing and it would be the five hundredth time I've seen it. It's so funny. Just the, oh, and then he just starts running. Is is so? so <laughs> then he starts funny. skipping. It's <laughs> it is comedic. It's comedic genius. I love it so much. So we spin off. I'm good with. We do not need to. Uh, we don't need to remake yet, guys. It's been like y'all said. It's been like three years. Like, what's <laughs> it's easy? It's not a Spider-Man movie, okay? Like, take take your time. Take your. Ben time. Affleck's not in it. We don't need to have any. You know, <laughs> there's no problems here. Oh man, can't. How do you? Where do you fall? I don't think we've talked about. Did Jump Street come out when we were doing this show? I yeah, I we did both of them. I thought on here. We definitely did not do the first one. I gotta look this up. I gotta look this up. Feel like we did. I think that was 2011. I don't think that was 22 Jump Street was 2014. 20. So we definitely did. Okay. Yeah. The first one was 2012. That was before our time. Oh. Yeah. Okay. We did a throwback right. or something. I feel like we okay. talked our fair share of that uh, on the right. show. But yeah, no, really a fan. And okay. I'm down for more. I don't know why. Channing Tatum and uh, Jonah Hill aren't dying to do another one. Yes, they um, they um more, more. I think they had the wind taken out from their sails after the Sony leak. Yeah, that's that was when they were like, "Hey, we're gonna do Men mm-hmm. in Black, Jump Street." That would have been the most amazing film twist I've ever yeah. seen. Seriously, did y'all see the set photo of that? That of uh, Men in Black. Yeah, yeah, that Hemsworth put out there. They actually did a thing of it, dude. There's one coming next year. It's um. It's it's Hemsworth and Tessa, Tessa Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. Oh, the new Men in Black. Yeah. 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 Liam, Liam Neeson. I'm Men in kind Black of, International. Kind of excited. Kind of excited. Got to be honest with you. I think that's May of next year. June. Excuse me. Men in Black would be a great one for a TV series too, if they ever wanted to do that. Yeah, it's a good Some point. It's a good point. That'd be just a fun about Netflix the uh, show or something. Just yeah. about the uh, agency itself or whatever. Yeah, you you could have a uh, kind of like a monster of the week theme, and then an overarching conspiracy, alien conspiracy. Mm-hmm. I'm in. You know, kind of like Fringe or something like that. Yeah. Could work. Sounds good. I'm in. Do it. Richard Richard's out. Not watching TV anymore. <laughs> nope. But I'm I'm in. I'm in. I, I could, I'll do two seasons of that for sure. All right, I got one more piece. Uh, one piece of news. One scary poster, and then the trailers. <laughs> okay. Scary poster. Uh, Warner Brothers is at it again. Oh, has announced no. a Plastic Man movie in development. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, 
I'm I'm bummed Richard's not here for me to make my UNLV cinematic universe joke because that's an old school joke that twelve people will get. But Stacy Ogman used to play in the NBA. His nickname was Plastic Man. So as soon as that news rolled across, I immediately sent it to Richard and was like, "Oh, UNLV cinematic universe! Like, what a dork!" But uh, yeah, Plastic Man. How are they going to make him jacked? Is my number one question. And number two question is. They have not done a good job with Superman or Batman or The Flash or Aquaman, so how are we going to expect them to do a good job with a random spare character? The um, the theory is that this will be their version of Deadpool. That's their attitude towards this. Okay. Mm-hmm. We all need every every, every um, company needs their own Deadpool, right? <laughs> or every studio needs a Deadpool. <laughs> Yeah. They're just going to take the wrong yeah. idea, for, yeah. like the wrong. Le- they're going to take the wrong lesson from it. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. A twenty four is Deadpool is kind of weird. Got to be honest. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. <laughs> yeah, the Weinstein Company's Deadpool. You don't want to go near. <laughs> not. It's, it's really rated R. No. Sorry, that was they bad. really earned that hard R. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I don't know. As the resident uh, comic book guy, I just I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll go positive for a second. Maybe maybe it's better now because Suicide Squad exists. I was about to say maybe it's better to do random characters that we don't really know that much about because they clearly don't understand the the major characters. So maybe they'll do better with right. Them. But, but then I remembered that. I remember that Suicide Squad happened and um, left me catatonic for, I don't know, six or seven weeks. So, I'm, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in that, to be honest. But, but, hey, maybe it's all changing with Aquaman in about two weeks. So I just, I don't, even if it's decent, I just don't believe it. Like, I no, don't man. believe they're changing. My, my again, my my statement remains you make three good movies in a row and then we'll start talking again. Then I'll start believing that there could possibly be anything good coming out of this. So it's because you're like one for six so far. Great. One for six and three are just like the most God awful movies of all time. So congratulations. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, the next, the, the scary poster is the, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog poster <laughs> came out from the producers of Fast and the Furious is what the poster says. Um, so it, it appears to have a like real human sized man with like a hedgehog torso and head and like muscular furry arms. It's really unsettling and a little alarming that they thought it was okay to do this. <laughs> I love Ben Schwartz though, so I'm kind of in just based on, mm, yeah, just based on my boy Jean Ralphio. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a weird poster. It's a weird poster. I don't I don't have any. I didn't play video games growing up, because uh, I was talking to girls and stuff. But it's not true. <laughs> nice, was, nice, nice was, save. I was memorizing basketball statistics, but <laughs> um. I didn't, I didn't, like, I played Sonic a little, but it was never a thing for me. Like, my friends had Nintendos probably well past the time when it was cool to have Nintendos because we were all poor, and then I got to college and my roommate had a PS2. Like, there's, I have nothing 
in between those those platforms pretty much. So I have no allegiance or nostalgic value for anything Sonic related. Can is this was this a part of your you're a little younger I don't know. Is this a part of your childhood or or is this not cool to you so, at all? Sonic was always pretty cool, but I could never afford a Sega Genesis, never had the game okay. gear because they took up twelve double A batteries to play for like ten minutes at a time, so <laughs> it's too expensive. Sure. Um, I liked Sonic, the game. Uh, I don't see how you can make it or why you would make it into a movie in 2019. But, um, I mean, that that Pikachu movie is going to be huge. Pokemon mm-hmm. is huge. Uh, I don't blame but them for po- making Pokemon's, that movie. Uh, yeah, that, I agree with you That's going to be just a cash cow. Um, this movie, I don't know. This could be the opposite of that. It's just, this will be the example of why you don't make a video game cartoon into a movie. I heard the room you're doing a um, uh animated Mario movie though, which I'm into that idea. Cuz that other Mario yeah. movie was very disturbing, the live action one. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. We should review that. That's an experience. Jeez, oh, terrible. I don't think I could get through it. No. No. <laughs> uh it, it's it's kind of weird that they keep trying this live action thing when Into the Spider-Verse proves and a lot of other stuff that you just like if you just make a good movie and put effort into it, like you can make money and be critically received, like well received. You don't need to do, you don't need to do everything live action. You don't need to make things creepy and unsettling, like Psyduck from the Pokemon movie or something. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not against this either. Like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have any. Uh, no, I'm not. No either. real pull for me, except for, except for Ben Schwartz. I'm very loyal to Ben Schwartz, so. So there's that, but that yeah. poster's creepy as crap. Yeah, that like is it. a little weird. Have you guys seen the? Um, I don't know if we should wait for Richard for this Avengers trailer. No, forget that guy. He's trapped in the woods somewhere. Um, <laughs> hopefully, dug. I dug that. <laughs> hopefully, <No. laughs> I it's dug funny that he avoided man. this because of the woods, and then he's stuck in the woods. Ironically, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What you fear is what ultimately so, yeah. ran into a bogger, just transported him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah no dude that trailer is awesome i loved that trailer and i'm sure i'm sure people who just heard me rant about how terrible dc is are gonna come after me about marvel and that's fine they've made good movies i don't know what to tell you but love that trailer it it feels like we have talked so many times over the course of this whatever six years we've been doing this show that this is such an ambitious thing that they have undertaken to get to this point and to, you know, point us in the direction of this two-part movie with Thanos and and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, I, I mean, Infinity War is very good. This feels like, hey, like, all of this was worth it. Like, it, it really feels like this is going to culminate in the right kind of movie. That's a great, great teaser trailer, I think. I think so too. Yeah, I'm excited to see where they go with that. Um, with Iron Man and Captain America and everything, uh, Nebula being involved again. This is very. It was very teasery. It was like two and a half minutes, but it was very mm. teasery. It kind of threw me off there. But uh, yeah, they yeah. they gave us really nothing. Yeah. Like yeah, oh, um, it's okay. So and it comes out so, in what three months? Something like that. Yeah, they, so the the real big news is that they bumped it up from I think it was going to be June 
uh, and then they bumped up to April to almost a year, exactly a year after the Infinity War Part One. Mm-hmm. That's smart. But they, mm. I think they did that with Infinity War, didn't they? Didn't they bump that up? I I think so. Didn't yeah, I think you're right. Well, exciting times, exciting times. Uh, the Godzilla trailer's out as well. I saw that. Uh, King of the Monsters. Is that, I guess that's Godzilla Two. Mm. King of yeah, the I'm more excited for that than I am for Avengers. If I'm being wow, honest. look at you. I, you love Avengers your has man. a. Yeah, I, I do, bro. Uh, <laughs> um, Avengers has a chance to be like for the plotting to be really stupid. Where it's like, hey, we're, we're time traveling and everything's fixed and everything's okay. And it really didn't make so much sense. But here we are. Mm. Um, and Godzilla is just like, no, this is the plot. You know it already. They're just going to fight and sit down and watch them do it for two hours. So, uh, yeah, okay. Um, they're going to fight and the plans can be destroyed. But honestly, we deserve it. And I just, Godzilla's, Godzilla's better than we are. So, good for him. <laughs> we're the worst. Every time, Every time I think about... That your favorite movie is Pacific Rim, Ariel. I also think about my dad going to see Pacific Rim and just being like, that's the dumbest two hours I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> Cracks me up. Cracks it me up. It happens. You got a sweet back tattoo, though. That's uh, I love that kaiju all across your back. It's pretty awesome. Right. Pretty and awesome. Charlie Day just sitting in the middle. <laughs> Best part of the movie, obviously. Um yeah, I'm I'm a little bummed that uh <clears throat> different director than than Gavin Edwards. I I really dug Godzilla a lot. I like Godzilla way more than than I like Pacific Rim. Cuz I'm going to take my dad's side on this, but uh yeah, this is I'm 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 pretty pumped for this one as well. Not more pumped than Avengers, but I'm 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 pretty pretty pumped. Pretty pumped. Good cast for this as well. I like that. I like old Kyle Chandler. Yeah. I I don't even know who's in it. I just know Godzilla's the star. So. <laughs> That's all that matters. Kyle Chandler is, is Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights, sir. And what are you going to do when Gypsy Danger like comes out of the ocean <laughs> at the end and slays Godzilla, and that's how they end it, set up? I don't... I would just be so conflicted. I just I wouldn't know what to no, do. No, what they're gonna do is it's gonna be King Kong that comes in and that's oh, gonna man. set up Godzilla if, versus no, Kong. That's already now happening. If Godzilla beats King Kong, I'm coming on your show whether you like it or not <laughs> to complain for two hours. <laughs> complain about him beating King Kong? No, about King Kong beating Godzilla. I said if Godzilla oh, yeah. if King Kong wins, he oh, can't yeah, even yeah, say yeah. it. It makes him so angry he can't even think to say it correctly. <laughs> Doesn't make Sally sense. Hawkins is in a movie with monsters. Watch out. Watch out, monsters! <laughs> yep, man, a lot of a lot of man. Twenty nineteen is ridiculously stacked. It's insane. Seriously, I saw today that Disney had their second highest grossing year of all time. They made like seven billion dollars this year. They are going to obliterate that next year. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, Endgame alone is going to yeah, give them two billion dollars. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna make they might make ten next year. I mean, it's. <laughs> Between that and Lion King, you're looking at probably four bill right off the top before you even get to a Star Wars movie and everything else they've got coming. So pretty it's, – it's good, you know? Like we always say, it's uh, it's good to see something happen for the little guy every once in a while. Yep. <laughs> Man, the, the movie draft is going to be lit, though. Can't wait. It's going to be – we're, we're all going to have so many, like – Billion dollar movies next year. Mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But good for Disney, like you said. <laughs> good to see something good the other way once in a while. Um, I think that's about it for movie news, man. Right? Yeah. That's good. 
think we'd like to talk M- mini topics. Of, I like a little it. bit of Tolkien, right? Okay, so Brian, we know that uh, The Hobbit was your favorite book of all time. Does that lead at all into Lord of the Rings, or was Lord of the Rings your first thing, and then that led into The Hobbit? What's your story there? Um, I grew up with both, because uh, my, my parents are, are gigantic nerds, and, uh, and this was... So this, this was a big staple in our house. I... Trying to think, the, I watched the cartoon of The Hobbit quite a bit growing up. I didn't watch the Lord of the Rings cartoon quite as much until I was a little bit older because it's pretty creepy, and it was hard to get access to. Um, the Hobbit, I I just I remember having that forever, and the I I vaguely remember the Lord of the Rings being available on whatever HBO or something, and it was a big deal that it was uh, that it was available to us. Um, but i i grew up listening to these great radio plays that um i i think it was bbc it's it's by a company called minds eye um uh radio plays that of of the lord of, the, of both lord of the rings and and the hobbit but mostly lord of the rings that was the one we had first and it's fantastic. It's I'm sure you can. I think you can stream it all on, on uh, I'm sure like every streaming service. But it's on YouTube and stuff too. It's it's great. It's a like a full production, and it's a kind of an, an abridged version of Lord of the Rings. I think when I was a kid, it's like twelve CDs or twelve audio tapes or something. But I listened to those ad nauseum um, when I was younger and read the books at some point. Now the Hobbit, I the Hobbit is like my my favorite or historically my favorite book and i've read that i I don't know maybe a dozen times over the course it's a because that's such an easy fun read i don't i don't read (laughs) lord of the rings like i do the hobbit i've probably i probably read it twice maybe three times and listened to it once or twice through and it's a all those books are very good books they are much 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 more dense and difficult to uh to get through and there's a lot of like singing that you just kind of skip over or at least i do um and and weird elvish stuff um but i was incredibly pumped for these movies when they came out when they when the uh they started production was very excited i very distinctly remember going to see all of them in theaters and 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 these are movies that i saw multiple times in theaters when they first came out and this series um I, this series, maybe more than any other series before it, I feel like really plays as a whole. It's a, it is a twelve-hour or thirteen-hour movie if you're watching the extended editions, and it, instead of, you know, three parts that make up a whole, it play. It really does play as one, and I love that. Um, so it's one of my. I can't remember our hundredth episode way, way, way back when was our top 10 movies of all time. And I know it was in my top five. I can't remember if it was, I think, I think it was number five, if I remember correctly. So it's one of my five movies, five, five favorite movies of all time. And maybe the only movie, these and the Harry Potter movies are probably the only ones that I make a point of watching uh, at least once, if not multiple times a year, it's a, it's kind of like, it's a weird comfort food for me, but I, I put these on when I'm writing. If I'm in a really good 
groove writing because these are they're so long and epic, and I've seen them so many times that I'm not really distracted by them. But I, you know, I enjoy every time I do look up at the screen. I love I love everything about these movies. These are um, uh, maybe I would say are are perfect are perfect movies, and I I love this whole thing that uh, that Tolkien created. I think hopefully without being um uh, <laughs> like a bummer about them because there are as with any big fan base as we have seen over the last few years with Star Wars as uh Star Trek Trekkies have proven time and time again over the years like there's a certain point at which you become insufferable and a Tolkien fans definitely can become that as well if you get super if you if you take it as as like as like the bible when like no that's not what he said that's not how you pronounce the elvish word for you know it's just like shut up it's a freaking movie but um but i i love this world that that he created i love the time and effort that he painstakingly took to putting it together and i love that jackson the peter jackson really really truly respects that and that every change from book to movie there's a purpose to it. There's a reason for it. And it, you get the sense that if Jackson had his way, he would shoot it page for page and word for word. And there's, uh, there's a great deal of respect to that. So anyway, a long-winded way to say I lo- love these, love these books, love this movie, love this story. The whole thing is, is one of my very favorite things in, in all of pop culture. Man, it, me too. This, this last rewatch just reignited my, uh, fascination with this universe with the woods again i'm proud to say it <laughs> proud to say i love the woods love the tree beards the ints <laughs> um yeah i i kind of got introduced to it maybe middle school with the hobbit and then mm-hmm. uh went back and and started reading the lord of the rings and then i think the fellowship of the ring actually came out maybe a year or two after i read the hobbit so it was like perfect timing for the movies to come out and I remember to this day, my mom taking me to see Fellowship of the Ring and her just hating it. And (laughs) I was like super into it and everything. And I think the world was kind of at the time. And she's just like, that was the worst movie. I'm so long. Like I didn't understand anything. It was horses and wizards. And, and, um, I, I could understand that. It's weird that your mom is Richard. Yeah. That's, that's strange. And she, yeah, that. transformed into Richard. Right. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just really loved it right from the start. I loved the, um, interpretation of it. I felt like Peter Jackson's interpretation of Lord of the Rings is so dead on to what it is in the, in the books or what you would think it would be or what it was according to some of the drawings and things that were done by Tolkien. And so, man, I, I, when we talked about the Lord of the Rings coming to Amazon, I'm just so skeptical because I'm mm-hmm. I so associate that with this, you know, so hard that it's going to be hard for me to escape um, Peter Jackson's interpretation unless they just directly rip it off and they use the same music and, and that, and, and uh, you know, rent out Hobbiton and shoot there, you know, or whatever. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, this is all the Lord of the Rings th- that I will ever need. I think we've got right here, this extended edition. It's like what, 14 hours, man. I, I felt like, <laughs> I felt like it was four days. I was watching this thing, but, uh, I loved every minute of it. 
honestly did. What about you, Ariel? What's your uh, background on this? So um, my like my my dad wasn't exactly a, a reader, both when he was a kid and as as an adult. Uh, so I I never read these books growing up. Um, Kent, I think you're just a little bit older than me. Um, but I what happened was I was about 10, 11 years old, and the first one comes out, I think, right, in like 2001. Yeah, that's um, about right. Yeah, and so I watched it with some friends. Uh, and then I, th- I think – and I just I was just so immersed into it. And I immediately tried reading the first book, and I was like, oh, no, this is – this is too difficult for me to read. Um, and so I ended up reading The Hobbit and I ended up really enjoying that. And But from then on, I, I kind of became like obsessed with it. it. It is in my top, somewhere in my top five to seven range, you know, depending on how I move things. This is the one film franchise I will allow people when they're ranking their movies to say this is one movie. Um, <laughs> when they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Star Wars. It's like, no, no, no. You, you go Star Wars, you go Empire, or you go Return of the Jedi. It's it's three different movies. Uh, this one is just, no, this is this is one movie. They're shot all at the same time. The uh, Everything is so incredibly consistent in, in its storytelling. So it's not like Harry Potter where you've got, like, four directors across eight movies. It's not like Star Wars, which has, uh, like, a third movie that kind of goes a tiny bit off the rails. And then, of course, a franchise that kind of gets a little too big for its britches um but i I, like you said brian i think these movies are are perfect uh i i don't think there's many any really thing you can do to change it i think the casting is um one of the greatest successes in casting in the history of cinema i think um the fact that they were able to get three three hour movies and every single person was just wanting more is an incredible success. I I think Peter Jackson um, is the model for getting somebody passionate about a project so you can get the most out of it. Uh, Something like, I can't even think of another example that even comes close, but you know, I don't even think like JJ Abrams loves star Wars as much as Peter Jackson loved these books and, and was able to create that vision. I don't think JJ understands star Wars as well as Peter Jackson loves these books and understands these books. And I just think it was a perfect match. And like, who would have thought the guy who made the frighteners um, and that weird zombie movie that has two names could make something like this. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. I'd kind of forget now because, because of these movies, I mean, Peter Jackson's had success to some extent since these, but it's not, it's certainly not the same thing, but it was a big deal that he was the guy who was put in charge of this when it came out. I mean, that was a, uh, if that happened in the internet era, really in the internet, I mean, the social media era, I should say, that's a boy, that's a big, that's a big talking point because he really didn't have a lot there wasn't a lot to go on to say, yeah, I feel really good that this guy totally has this under control and knows what he's doing. And in, in hindsight, you, everything you read about this and uh, the way in which he pitched it and the insane, insane links they went to, to try to get everything right. And not, I mean, right in terms of uh, adapting it from book to screen, but also right in terms of, doing this the right way and shooting things the right way and using practical effects and all this for stuff. I mean, it's insane. It's insane how much they did to make that happen. So in hindsight, you're like, Hey, 
dummy like that. <laughs> he clearly knew exactly what he was doing. And thank God, because I don't know how many people would have gotten it right. But in the moment, um, I definitely remember being like, I don't know about this dude. I'm a little like, I'm a little nervous about what he's going to bring to the table. And that looks very foolish <laughs> now, you know. Yeah. No, man. So many good memories with uh, watching these movies, growing up on these, that I'm sure you guys had with the Harry Potter movies that I never got. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to experiencing those next, for the first time here in the next couple of months. Next year, buddy. Yeah, no, I, I did this binge, wait. and I'm I'm going to do the Harry Potter one. It's just about the, the same length, I think. So a lot of so medieval wizardry going on in my uh, house <laughs> over the next couple of months. But it's very cold outside, and... It's kind of fitting. Anyway, um, where do you guys rank these? A lot of people have some hot opinions about which one of these is the best movie. Um, of course, Return of the King is the one that won Best Picture, correct? And so mm -hmm. that's the most legitimized in terms of awards. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people have different opinions on it. Um, I like a lot of parts of each. I think Return of the King is probably the best film of the three mm -hmm. in terms of the storytelling and you know, how it starts out with Smeagol and his decline and that kind of epilogue, gorgeous, like his downfall into Gollum uh, sequence. And, uh, yeah. and then of course how it ends. And, but also this, the Helm's deep stuff is incredible in the two towers. And, and um, of course the yeah, fellowship of the ring is the fellowship of the ring and how it introduces everything is, like no other. So it's hard. I'm very conflicted. It's not like star Wars where I'm mm -hmm. just like, yeah, star Wars, the first one's the best, but I like the other two. Um, sure. This one's a lot. I'm it, a lot more conflicted about which one's the best than I am in most trilogies, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, I think partly that's again to, you know, to all of our point, it's, it's one continuous film. So it's very, it's harder to differentiate between the two. I think, um, I think Return of the King is probably the best made movie, just as from a, a movie standpoint, a filmmaking standpoint. It's that one. It also has the most slow moments throughout. Um, Which they've I earned, that, I think. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that Helm's Deep is the best action sequence of, of anything in all of these movies. That's an incredible mm -hmm. sequence, and that's in Two Towers. And I think, I think that Boromir's last stand at towards the end of Fellowship of the Ring. I think that's not only the best scene in this movie or movies. I think that's maybe the best scene, at least in terms of action, drama, epic, whatever categories you want to put it into, of like the millennium. I think that's an incredible scene, and it is the one that um, sticks with me more so than anything else in in all of this series so i tend to, to kind of go with um return of the king being the best but fellowship is my favorite of of the three and i will i will sometimes sit down and watch just fellowship and then you know not follow it up with two towers and return of the king I, i've definitely watched it more times than i have the others just because it is um it's my it's the send off it's the setup it's the send off point i love how that movie is structured it's the most um it's certainly the most 
ensemble driven. I feel like it's the most character driven. You like, there's there's lots of character moments in Two Towers and um and Return of the King, but they they feel like continuations. And and you know, rightly so. That's the way it's supposed to be. But Fellowship has a little bit more of that development and building. I, so Fellowship is my favorite by a fair stretch, but um but they're all they all have these incredible incredible high points and it it is very difficult to to differentiate between them um ariel do you have an opinion or thought on that yeah i i I would agree with you fellowship is my favorite i I think there's just a a charm and a sense of magic to it that's really not in the other ones um not to say the other ones aren't great like you said I, i think it's pretty clear return of the king is um is the best made it is the most cinematic uh in terms of the way they build up the drama and and the scenes like the the Pelennor fields and the city of the dead and uh, the, the ministerial stuff like it's all so amazing in terms of like the big scale stuff and then the the drama that they build but the first one they connect you with the characters Boromir um like that's a great point in terms of like action and drama i think the closest thing that i've gotten since then is the end of civil war when you don't know if cap's going to kill iron man or at that at that very last moment mm-hmm. um and i think if one of them had died in that film it probably beat boromir because you're so invested in those characters uh and i and you know perhaps we may be revisiting this conversation at the end of endgame um but yeah th- there's something about fellowship that is it's just so unparalleled i i've seen it way more uh, I, but I do think I think Two Towers was the best theater experience because uh, Helm's Deep is Helm's Deep is the best battle in that whole in the trilogy. It is it's such a yeah. real like you you feel like you're there in the rain like you know you're in a theater watching it, but you feel like you're there in the rain hearing the Urukai smash their shields against their swords and stuff like that. It's it's such a such an accomplishment what they were able to do with with this these movies. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Man, I used to uh, always consider these just totally CGI'd out when I first saw them. But on this last rewatch, I'm amazed at how well they hold up, like how they were shot in just a really classic style and didn't really rely on too much insane CGI. Did you guys mm-hmm. have that feeling? I mean, there's some stuff that, I mean, some of the creatures you, you just can't do without CG. But, right. I mean, a lot of the scenery is just they're in a swamp, you know, and they're actually out there mm-hmm. and doing it and... And uh, I give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think it's, I think it is one of the greatest marvels of the last uh, 20 years of filmmaking. The, um, the the scale and the scope and the size and the depth of everything that is happening in these movies, and that they were made for total for under 300 million dollars, and that that's they crazy. As jam packed with. Um, with practical effects as you can possibly get. Because you're right, Kent. Like, you can't do all of these things. You can't. It's not possible. Like, there were... I think there was no more than, like, a 100. At any one scene, there was only a 100 Yurikai at any point. So there's times when you're seeing, you know, thousands of of, uh, CGI replicas of that. But they used hundreds and thousands. I'm trying to find the, the number of uh of extras that were used in this thing and it's like i'll find it here somewhere in my notes but i mean literally it's hundreds and hundreds of people and helms deep is a great example because that took four months to shoot that sequence i mean that that entire 
scene yeah. all at night, you know, with, with the machines throwing rain on everyone and everyone standing around in their um, crazy, authentic <laughs> weaponry and armor and all this. Sort of stuff. Something like 48,000 weapons and shields and, and suits of armor were created. I mean, it's, it's an, an – it's – Nothing will. I truthfully, I don't think anything will ever be done like this. Again. No, like no. Our, our computer technology has come so far, which is great. Um, but you also see something like The Hobbit that those movies could have used practical effect. The if practical effects had been used in those movies the way they were in this, those movies are five times better, even if they're the exact same movies, but just with more practical effects. It's it is a remarkable achievement that he that he was able to pull off. Like this is this is the type of stuff that like if he never makes another movie again after this, or if every movie he makes after this is you know an F minus minus minus, just a terrible movie. You go Trademark. into the director's hall of fame based on this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you, this is. <laughs> I'll send you that buck. I'll send you that buck. But but uh, you know you 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 are. You have statues built to you <laughs> based on how great this the, the the ridiculous achievement that these movies are on that side of things. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And um we'll have to see how Mortal Engines does in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I don't think uh, he directed that. Did he not? Right. He, he produced it. He produced. Oh good thing. Yeah. Well, save himself. Yeah. He's uh, he's smart. <laughs> um so there's some really cool like I watched all of the like extra discs and the commentaries and all of that. I watched it more than once. Um, I remember because I, I came back from the Philippines one time and I was super jet lagged. So I would just be awake all night and like nobody else during the summer was when I was 16. So I would just sit and watch Lord of the Rings. Um, they had two guys in a room cr- making chain mail, like plastic chain mail, like suits of armor. Uh, just sitting in a room, mm-hmm. linking chains together, making them physically. I think, uh, Kent, the reason why it all seems so great is like for the big cities like Helm's Deep and Minas Tirith, they're like, they create these things called bigotures, which are literally like scale models, like 140th scale models of these actual humongous buildings. And so they were so big that you could like move the camera in a real way, like in a way that we use drones now, but they could actually do it because these, these things were so big and they, people would like walk around, you know, looking like Godzilla next to these things, but they were still as humongous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They love the use, the way that they shot the, um, you know, showed the, the, the uh, size difference between hobbits and, and everyone else was very old school. Of just, yeah. You know, the, uh, having them sit three feet apart or stand three feet apart. So you get the, the scale difference on camera. It's, it's a, I mean, truthfully, it's a masterpiece on blending CGI and, and practical effect. It's just, uh, kind of like a, a, another class of it, it. It's it's up there, if not honestly, perhaps beyond like the insane things that were done and invented to make Star Wars happen, to make Jurassic Park, Avatar happen, Jurassic Park, Jaws. You know, like the great, great, great blockbusters of all time. Um, and 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 then this is like, yeah, but look what these guys are doing. This is this is incredible. <laughs> Is it good when you make $3 billion off of a $300 million investment? You know, <laughs> it's just $3 billion and 30 Oscar nominations. I think that's a pretty good. Part. In 2005. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, there's a really cool video by Every Frame of Painting on YouTube where it's like, why is Jackie Chan so 
like great at what he does and and jackie comes on like there's a clip of an interview he's like you guys think that i'm like i'm so good jackie's so good but really like i take 50 takes to get these things right and the studios in hong kong believe in me and they trust that i'll get these done and get them right and so they give me the time to do it but american studios don't want that which is why we have quick cuts and we have shaky cam we have all these things and that's that's like a, a very smaller symptom in comparison to this humongous project where it's like Peter Jackson would never get, you know, five years to make this movie, to make a movie like this. Nobody's ever going to get that again, like you said, Brian, because of the crazy CGI stuff. Like, why do it? Why why take two guys in the room to make chainmail when we can just, like, spray paint it on somebody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, no question. No question. It's a... Like I said, I don't. We'll never, we'll never see something like this again. It's, it's just, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be done. Kent, what are, I guess, what are, what are some of your favorite scenes from the the series as a whole? What, what stands out yeah. as, as the, you know, kind of the peak moments? Yeah, I totally into the introduction of Gandalf and when he goes to Hobbiton. That whole thing with uh, Frodo, Bilbo, uh, meeting everybody. Uh, and then into the actual fellowship part of the ring, I guess it would be the end of the first disc on the, like the extended edition mm-hmm. where they actually like yeah. come together. I love all the stuff of Saruman making his army uh, and all the orcs being like constructed out of wood and everything and in the inside the volcano. I love those sequences. Um, a lot of fellowship of the ring stuff there. Um, but I, where this stuff falls flat for me is just the, the Arwen, the the romance, the the like magical mm-hmm. yeah. mystical romance. It's just like a little heavy handed at times. Um, if you could cut about let's say an hour of that stuff, I think we'd have a lot better, smoother ride. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, some of that stuff kind of bogs it down at times. So that'd be my one kind of complaint is it does get kind of Shakespearean at times and less like a uh, action movie and more like a or Shakespearean play you're watching or something. So Sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. In, in much less an entertaining way than like something like Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones is so off mm-hmm. the wall with its dialogue and everything. This is just kind of yeah. point A to point elvish. B. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of Elvish, yeah. yeah. A lot of the trees, <laughs> like the trees, True Beard's walking and he's just saying stuff. You're just like, this doesn't make any sense, what he's saying right now. <laughs> this, is a, this is a total subtitle movie. I don't know if you guys are subtitle watchers, but... Um, a lot of stuff I really watch with the subtitles on. It's a lot, a lot better uh, for me to catch everything, all the names, especially stuff like this when there's so many families and lineages and all that stuff you have to keep up with. Um, but yeah, a lot of that tree beard stuff, he's like quoting poetry at times. And it's like, how is anyone supposed to know what's going on with some of this? But mm-hmm. it's very, it's a very Peter Jackson sitting down with Philippa Boyens. And creating their screenplay yeah. <laughs> for the Lord of the Rings, you know, it has to be, it's very proper and it's it's not very fun at all. It's just a very mm-hmm. typical fantasy movie type screenplay and that's fine. But um, yeah, I, I think he took a lot more f- fun approach with The Hobbit and it didn't really work that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, especially in the extended edition and I've, I don't, well... Since the extended edition came out, I know I've never, I have not seen the not extended editions. I can't really even remember what what was in, but especially in the extended edition, the the long stretches with 
with Arwen and and Aragorn and speaking Elvish and all that sort of stuff, I I do tend to to tune out. Um, I do think. Can you mentioned kind of like the <laughs> the subtitles and the taking notes and the rem- reminding yourself of who these people are. I think that's something that that these movies maybe don't get enough credit for is kind of cutting through the Tolkienness of it all with. Because if you read those books, oh, I mean, you can get you can get into. I mean, there are there are appendices for books that are appendices for these books that get into lineage, lineage and family ties, and this person who was this, you know, all this sort of stuff. And this that's something that was like a major bog down with Game of Thrones. Like my wife can't watch Game of Thrones just just based on. She's just like, I don't know who that person is, and I don't know who they're talking about. And you have to, like, I have to pause it every three minutes. But, okay, now this guy is, you know, and I can't hardly keep track of it. I think these movies do a really good job of, with the exception of those stretches, which I totally agree with you, Kent, of we got to have this big debate with Arwen and Aragon or or whether whether or not she's going to sail off and all this sort of stuff. Um they do a really he, Jackson does a very good job of cutting through a lot of that stuff and making it i think as simple as this series can be and that helps a lot cuz there's it is very easy to get bogged down in these books if you're not um if you don't have any familiarity or if you're just not really willing, you know, if you're just kind of, you're, you kind of have to be stubborn at times to get through some of the the stuff in the books that that you are not going to enjoy reading so much. Yeah, man, I really think Gimli helps keep this pace up a lot. Like he offers a lot of stuff where I'm like I get bored yeah. with that, and then I'm, then it's Frodo and Sam for for 14 minutes, and we flash back, and it's Aragorn and Gimli, and I'm like, yes. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. But I mean, Jackson does a really good job of splitting up the characters, and like you said, kind of cutting between them, keeping the energy up, and uh, and all that. But um, do you think that uh, the Return of the King is definitely worth the most praise, or was it the, was it one of those? Um, these movies are really good. We need to give it the Oscar. Like in hindsight, would they've probably given Fellowship of the Ring Best Picture. I definitely think it would have been I I I, rem, I know when when Two Towers came out um it very much felt like awards cuz that one got more, less award praise than either of the either its predecessor or or you know, yeah. in it. And so it the talk that year really really felt like it all but said you know, anyone, all the nominations were like, well, we're just going to give it to next year. You know, it's, it's years next year because Vigo, especially, um, I'd have to go back and look and see what, who actually won like best actor that year. But I think Vigo has a really good claim, uh, or an argument to make for, for not only being nominated, but probably for winning best actor for two towers. Um, and then he gets so much more screen time in return of the king so much so that you he kind of he kind of wears himself out on screen at times the intensity is lost yeah it kind of ultimately like when he when he opens up the doors and comes back in after having floated down the river when he when he winds up at uh oh there's so many places i'm losing my 
what's the name of the castle? Yeah. Area? I don't, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, at Helm's Deep. Sorry, when he when he opens that door, but that's like a that's an Oscar type moment, and I would hazard to guess that if we didn't know that Return of the King was coming the next year, that that probably gets some real award buzz. Um, if not all the other things that are happening throughout the course of of that that movie. But yeah, I th- I think if I think if Fellowship came out and we don't know if or when another of these movies is coming it, it may it may get a little more of that uh a little more of that look especially this era this is the one of the worst eras of film ever it's like whatever 97 to 2005 is just kind of like a meh uh all around chunk of years for for cinema and you kind of look at this and think boy that probably deserved a lot more love than uh than it was given yeah i think in terms of acting i think ian mckellen deserved that nomination for the first one i don't i don't know who was up for supporting actor that's a hard category but i mean that scene where first of all to to handle like being that, that that tender kind old wizard in the beginning to this battle hardened guy uh, in the middle in moria um even against saruman and then the scene where he's like up against the balrog like acting against the screen and then falling down into the pit of darkness. Like that's a really great scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that year was, oh man, that year was Ben Kingsley for sexy beast, John Voight for Ali, Ethan Hawke for training day, who is great. And then, uh, Jim Broadbent worn for Iris, which is a movie that no one has thought about since 2002. That's like a classic. As soon as it won its Academy award, uh, everybody was like, cool, all right, and then we'll never talk about it again, you know? And that's, it's very annoying to me when the when the Oscars... How does Ron Howard win for A Beautiful Mind? And <laughs> and Peter Jackson doesn't year, win man. for that. I'm telling you, this is a weird, it's a weird era for, for film. Like that late 90s, early 2000, I don't think anybody knew what they were doing. It's just a strange, there's plenty, it's, I'm not saying there's not plenty of... of very good films from that time. The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, but it just, it's a lot of like, ugh, I don't know. That does not, that didn't look good three years later, let alone 15 or 20 years, you know. I think, um, real quick. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Sean Astin for the third one. That's, I, yeah. I still don't know how he didn't get the nomination. I think they don't give it to him because they didn't think he'd win. And they wanted the news they wanted to be like, hey, it's swept, you know, like it's swept mm. 11 um, and they didn't want to give him a nomination. But I think he just I think he that he's so good. He is so good in Return of the King. He he needed that nomination. Yeah, he's very he's very good. He's very, very good in this. This is like the I know he's had other big time roles, but this is kind of the thing that he was born to do. It seems like it's just the right. <laughs> he's just earnest and kind of cheesy enough as a human being to like really, really hit the right mark to bring that character to bear. I think appropriately. Yes, I totally agree, man. I think uh, there's at least a dozen Academy award level performances in this uh, series. And um, 
and it's it's gotten better with time. I feel like I feel like every time I watch this, it gets better and better. Um, even in the context of Game of Thrones, I feel like it still really holds up really well. And uh, mm-hmm. man, like I said, I'm skeptical about this Lord of the Rings Amazon series. Uh, yeah, I'll me probably too. watch it, but I mean, I'm just. I mean, if it's not Ian McKellen, it's not Gandalf. You know, I, you know, I don't know what it, what what road they're going to go down, but um, it, the, the, let's say the ball, the bar has been set very high, and the score of this movie sure. is one of the best film scores ever. And if they don't, mm-hmm. they don't at least adopt that with the new one. I don't, I don't see how they're going to live up to that expectation at least. But yeah, I think it's a good sign for that series that Amazon gave it so many seasons up front you like a billion dollars didn't they or something crazy yeah i mean it's it costs a ton i I really think they greenlit like five seasons or something right off the five yeah great that's a great sign because it means that they're trusting that that's because it's going to take time to build that out and that i love that i think that that gives me more hope than anything else just that um they'll be able to you know do what they want to do with it and create something that works instead of just like trying to rush to get to something that fits in the Lord of the Rings or like gets the fans excited or whatever you know you can really take your time to to create what you want to create um and that will I think that will pay off I hope it does I hope it will the Lord of the Rings is such an open world if you want to get into all of the the Similarian and all the other Tolkien stuff there is so much stuff there that you can take like one line of of uh text from the from a you know appendix and and like stretch it into the big story or something you can do that so i i think there's stuff to be done that can work within this context i just hope they go i hope the thought is to try to be as epic as possible because i think that's what it requires to make this huge franchise this i don't know this entire world really work is to be as big and epic as you can as you can possibly be why do you think the chronicles of narnia didn't get as big as this it's a good question um the i love the chronicles of narnia the books um they are not as mm, they're not as rich and compelling as the more compelling parts of of these books are they are more they're for kids um yeah which is kind of the downfall of the hobbit is i mean i love the hobbit seriously you know my favorite or or, or second favorite book of all time but um and i i still think making a hobbit movie maybe two hobbit movies is a doable thing that could have turned into very good movies the the worst part there was trying to make three make three movies out of it um good gracious but uh but yeah chronicles are they're and the so they're they're a little bit lesser in terms of their their richness they're a little more basic in their themes and then to be honest they're more um they're a little there's a little more clarity to their uh to their christianity they're preachy with that they're they're a little preachy i i i I don't know if preachy is the right word for me, but they're definitely like, there's a lot of biblical illusions within the Lord of the Rings, but they're illusions. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And whereas Chronicles of Narnia is a lot more, it's like one layer <laughs> of, uh, of kind of opaqueness. You, you're, you're getting at 
the core of it, which is fine. I have nothing well uh, um, against that, but it's and then also Kent the second uh, Chronicles movie sucks, <laughs> and that that kind of kills it right off the bat when you get to your second movie is you know <laughs> kind of it's hard to to build on from there. They're rebooting that, but I can't remember if it's as a movie series or as a TV series. It's like uh, yeah, um, the the thing I like to compare about. Narnia and and uh, Lord of the Rings. It's like when you're at Lord, when you're looking at Lord of the Rings, you're like, okay, who's Jesus? And you're like, is it is it Gandalf? Is it is it Aragorn? Like, and you really have to think. Like, and then Narnia, you're like, who's Jesus? Oh, it's it's the lion. Like, it's it's just it's yeah. just who it no, is. It's, they're more they're much more straightforward in their intention and in yeah. their storytelling. And that's you know I I love I love all those books. I have no and the um the depth of those books gets greater as they go um and we've just never gotten to that point with uh you know with the movie series or tv series or whatever right i think some point at some point that'll get done but tolkien i mean tolkien was a better he was a better writer for these kind of books than than lewis was i think lewis was a much better writer um in his I think Tolkien's a better storyteller. Yeah, that's, that's and, and uh, a world builder. You you yeah, can't say he's one hundred percent on that. Yeah, no question. You can't say that. he's a better writer because Lewis's other stuff is so good, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But, but you know, great friends growing up. I read a book earlier this year as a little side recommend that was uh, shoot. I have to look at the title, but it's it's Tolkien and and Lewis and their development of friendship post uh post world war one it's it was it's not great but it was it's a good read so it's a fun read i'll look up the title for that but but good question there Ken. i think it, i think it's a netflix series or something that's happening yeah. soon that's uh uh chronicles of narnia based yeah i would i would have thought that would have been uh, rebooted already but um God, the hobbit already came out in the time that that came out right uh the whole hobbit mm-hmm. series but uh what do you think's gonna age better, that the this or the Hobbit? Probably the Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> yeah, probably so. Probably so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the. I wonder if he had made the Hobbit first and then made the Lord of the Rings, if it, people would still feel that way. Do you think? Do you think they would? It, it's, or is it's it just, just hard, the the, uh, the fatigue thing? Yeah, it's hard because like, I just I don't. There's things that are. If you go back and you look at kind of the backstory on all that stuff, Jackson didn't want to make those movies. He wanted to produce them, and uh, director dropped. It was Del Toro, I think. Dro- Which would have out. because they they Del Toro wanted to make it. Uh, my assumption is he wanted to make it in the same way that Jackson made uh-huh. Lord of the Rings. Because yeah. that's first of all, that's the kind of guy Del Toro is. And uh, yeah. but I don't I don't think the studio was having any of it. They just wanted. Quick movies. Yeah, there's a lot of studio interference issues. Jackson stepped in basically to save it from falling apart completely. And I, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly, he was like on death's door the entire time that they were making the movie. So it's it's like I think it's hard. I mean, this these movies, th- this series took 16 months to shoot. I know it didn't take as long to do The Hobbit, but it still is an extensive thing. I just think if you if you take that you strip it down to two movies, and then you insert as much practical effects as you can, I think it's 
it's very easily a good movie. Maybe certainly not as great as this because this story's not as cinematically great as Lord of the Rings is. And and, and I mean, I say that as again somebody who loves The Hobbit. Um, it's it's a you know that's a kids book that with some adult or you know I don't know growing themes in it. Whereas Lord of the Rings is much much more like deep fantasy that. You know, inspires Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. I mean, it's like a much bigger thing than The Hobbit is. And just to try to turn that into three, I so can't, I don't know. I don't think it, I, I'm I'm kind of glad that it went the way that it did because I'm a little concerned that if you make The Hobbit, even as two movies and it's not a success, I don't know that we ever see this because it just, it took so long to get to screen as it was, yeah. you know? It's, I mean, there's like, there's dozens of attempted adaptations of this through the course of the 60s and 70s, 80s and 90s of like trying to get it off the ground. The freaking Beatles wanted to make one at one point with Kubrick as director. It's the, I mean, it's like it just all kinds of insane things. Ray, Ray Bakshi's uh, uh, the, the, the animated one that he did that tried to make that three movies and couldn't get studio um, help to do it. And things like, I mean, it's just it's been. So we could very well be sitting here like, man, it'd be cool if they'd make the Lord of the Rings into a movie someday, mm-hmm. you know, and instead we, we have these three great movies and then, and then these three Hobbit movies <laughs> that also exist. Yeah. I remember a time where we were like, man, it'd be awesome if they could make the Hobbit series into, you know, delve into that stuff. Yeah. And then when it happened, no one really cared or wanted it to happen. Yeah. Um are there any book series out there that are still yet to be undone? I mean, I know Dune is being done right now with yeah. Uh, Denny. Yeah. So yeah. that's one. That one might be unfilmable. Um, Maybe we'll, to Denny. We'll see. Yeah. No, he's he's the right guy to do it if it can be done. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a series out there uh, by this writer, Brandon Sanderson. And I think um, I was recommended oh, yeah. this book yeah. by Andy who is a listener to both your show and mine. It is, um, it's, it's called, I think, Mistborn, the final empire. And, um, basically like magic is based off of, uh, these, um, like the way like now you can, see me. Mad, mad, <laughs> um, mad, <laughs> I can't, uh, magic's based if off of up, metal. If you're up in the rafters, you can see the strength. <laughs> yeah. It's not really magic. It's, it's fake. Oh yeah. If yeah. you're in the rafters. Just make sure you knew. Just make sure. Um, yeah. but we had an inside source on that. But yeah, the, it's not that it, like the book's really good, but it is so approachable, and the world he creates is so open. By the end of the book, and by like the bajillion books he's written after it, that it's kind of like, hey, we can we have a really great first story to tell, and if it's successful, we can continue to tell these stories because there's so much source material, and I think it's sure. it's really ripe for that. Will they ever do it? I, I don't know um, because mm-hmm. movie, you know movie producers don't read good books they just read popular <laughs> ones um which is why or we read. got <laughs> yeah they don't read um they just they just read the list like the new york times list they don't read the actual book so which is why we sure. have 50 shades and not you know old man's <clears throat> war <How> <laughs> yeah <clears throat> no I, I totally there's i don't read a lot of fantasy i like sci-fi a little more than than fantasy but um patrick rothfuss has a really good series the king killer that's, that's coming about out. About to be a trilogy. Lin Manuel. Yeah, uh, yeah. That w- that one's gonna be that will be a good test for some of these other kind of high fantasy type 
long epic book series and if they you know how how well they translate to uh how well they translate to to screen and what we do with that um and, and if you're you know if you're listening if you've got another you know another series that jumps out at you as something that that fits that that uh category let us know we you know love to love to hear it the book i was referencing earlier can't just to close up that is called a hobbit a wardrobe in a great war by joseph uh Leconte. that's talks about uh the relationship between uh tolkien and, and lewis post world war one it's it's pretty good pretty good read that sounds interesting i understand peter jackson's got this is it world war one documentary or world war two yeah it's world war one yeah i'm very excited for that i'm hoping we're gonna get some kind of theatrical run here in the next couple of weeks yeah I'm excited for that. I, I, I'm a, I am a fan of Peter Jackson. I really appreciate him doing the production diaries on these and King Kong and everything and just taking us inside his process. I really enjoy that aspect, yeah. and he's he's all in. He does vlogs. He does tweets. He does, he does all that, and um, he's all about teaching people how to make movies instead of keeping his stuff a secret, which is one way you go to, to go about it, and I kind of appreciate that. It's a, it's a fun – it's a fun mm-hmm. – Kind of thing after to watch the movie to go back and watch how they how they did it and, and very extensively yeah. too. Um, the King Kong one is yeah. is excellent as well. Um, so where would you rank these? What would you guys personally rank these in, in your personal Lord of the Rings uh, Tolkien movies? The Third Hobbit is number one. <laughs> no, which one's that called? The Five Armies. <laughs> I, I have no clue. I watched anymore. I watched half of it and shut it off and left. It's like I know the sense. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> um, uh, ahead, yeah, I, I mean, these are in my five, you know, favorite movies of all time. I, if I had to choose between, I'd probably go Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King. But again, I think Return of the King might be the best made movie of the bunch. So it's it's hard to it's hard to differentiate. But regardless, these are. These are these are all timers for me. This is this is like movies that I cannot wait to show my kid. You know, it's it's and very very high on that list of of movies that uh, I'm excited about passing on uh, to the next generation and stuff because they're just so good and so so fulfilling. You know, it's a, it's a very satisfying viewing every time um, that I watch the you know. 27 and a half hours or whatever it's it's such a great such a great uh sense of of i don't know filmmaking achievement to me i totally agree man this is this is star wars level to me in terms of rewatchability makes me excited every time i watch them um look forward to it great weekend off type of thing or snowed in type of thing and uh really enjoy the, the whole world surrounding it and um yeah, excited for the future. What about you, Ariel? Where would you rank these? Uh, I would probably go Fellowship, then Return of the King, then Two Towers. Uh, I, I mean, it's 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 like it's like ninety nine point one and ninety nine point two and ninety nine point three. Like it's just so yeah. you know the grades are, they're so great. Um, I have like a soft spot for Return of the King because I watched I watched it with a live orchestra in the Lincoln Center when it came to New York. Um, it was just the most nice. emotional. Nice. Like, screw what I was watching a screen I've ever experienced in my life. It was incredible watching that live orchestra. 
Oh yeah, that's awesome. No, I went and saw uh, John Williams a couple weeks ago, and uh, man, some of that stuff is unbelievable live. The the music scores and everything. It's a uh, yeah, pretty amazing, man. It's it's a uh, it's definitely an art form, an underappreciated one. Well, um, yeah, I'd give all these an A plus. All of them. Yeah, I think they're all masterpieces, and it's amazing that it was all done in kind of one sitting. And um, it's oh, how many how many billions did these make? I think they each made a billion around something like that. Uh, almost three yep. between them. The Return of the King was the first one to break second movie of all time to break a billion. Um, but Lord of the Rings. Did he even know? Wow. It's pretty awesome. Some of those scenes are are amazing with the orcs and all the armies and everything. It's amazing. Love love all the makeup. Probably the best movie makeup ever, in my opinion. Um, okay. So that's a little Lord of the Rings talk for you. It's the fall time, so it's a great time to go back and watch those. And uh, we uh, took a week off. It was a really bad week in the box office last week. Uh, I think the top movie had like $16 million or something like that. So it was uh, definitely a good week to uh, take a break from that. Let's uh, hit a little bit of a recommend, though, before we get out of here. How about that? Yeah. Weekly recommends. Okay. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, uh, make it quick. The uh, second season of the Magnus, or excuse me, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel just hit Amazon. It's fantastic. One of my favorite shows from last year. And uh, we're about, my wife and I are about halfway through season two. And it is just as, just as wonderful. I love, I love the show. I think it's, I think it's broad appealing regardless of uh, whatever category you put yourself into male, female, uh, white. <laughs> person of God, whatever it doesn't matter. I think it's a, it's a really incredibly well written, funny, uh, brilliant show. And uh, Rachel Brosnahan is an absolute superstar. So check that out. Amazon Marvel's Mrs. Maisel season two. I will do. I will do that. What about you, Ariel? Uh, my homework or homework that was from my show, which I just finished up. Um, my weekly recommend is. An app that just came out called the uh, Shonen Jump Manga Reader app. So for those of you who are fans of manga and anime, which don't, don't include you, Kent and Brian, but do include a lot of people, um, the, the way that American audiences read the, the manga is that somebody basically takes it, scans it, gets like English translators to like scan it and, and pirate it basically and send it out on websites. Well, now, and obviously that doesn't go back to the creators. Now Shonen's like, hey, we're giving you the chapters that we release in Japan at the same exact day. Uh, and if for $2 a month, you have access to our entire back catalog, which includes like literally hundreds of thousands of chapters. And um, for those of you who don't know, like um, these manga guys, like One Piece is the highest selling comic book of all time, beating things like Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. And yet the guy has to work like 24 seven because he's just, he doesn't make enough money and, and there's not enough resources. So this is a really cool way for that Japanese industry, which impacts so many like crazy things here. Like Dragon Ball Z is the biggest show on TV right now. Um, mm. And it, it's like, what, what year is it? Uh, 
So yeah, it's just like the Shonen Jump app is something that for you longtime manga anime fans, uh, we finally have a chance to le- legitimately read um, the things that we've been fans of for so long. That's cool. cool. I did, excuse me, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was how that that worked. That's good. That's that's very good that we're figuring out how to not do that in 2018. Yeah, like crazy. It took this long. Yeah, that is, that's yeah. my that's my weekly recommend. Good recommend. Good recommend. Um, I'm gonna recommend a show on Netflix. It's back. It's called Nailed It. It's awful people making awful food, <laughs> and it's so funny. <laughs> Watching bad chefs is my new favorite thing. People who don't know how to cook and think they do is is it's a new level of Schroeder <laughs> that I Schadenfreude that I am uh, proud to have discovered. So yeah, nailed awesome. it. Holiday edition, Christmas edition. Uh, Netflix, fun times, fun binge. Okay, nice, nice. All right, thanks Ariel for joining us and geeking out and talking a little Tolkien. You're always welcome back next time Peter Jackson reboots one of these things. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. And um. Brian, where can we find you online, sir? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Uh, Ariel, where can we find you, my friend? Uh, you can find me at DreadPirateRada on Twitter, but since I'm a teacher, that's now private. You can find me also at Geek101Podcast on Twitter. All right. You can find us at madaboutmoviespodcast.com, Mad About Movies VIP. If you want more episodes from us, check that out. And um, subscribe, tell a friend, and help grow the show. And next week, we're back, and we're talking um, Spider-Man, maybe? Yeah, we got lots of stuff coming out next week between the main feed and the VIP episodes. So check that out. Get involved in all that stuff. Lots of good stuff coming. It's going to be good. All right. Well, until then, we'll see you in the seminar. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salad and scrambled eggs. They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya-ya Your salads and scrambled eggs